Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends. Maybe you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodwidge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who feels weird hating a dog mascot, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Huskies are majestic creatures. They're they're beautiful. Um, when kept in appropriate winter weather, um, they don't travel well. They don't do well in the heat. They they howl when they're indoors. You know they need a lot of space outdoors in the cool weather. Just don't come to Texas, Huskies. So yes, I am. I'm full on hating. I'm hating. Uh, no, I can't. They're majestic creatures, and and I don't have any hatred for UW uh, in general. But uh, this should be a fun game. Like I'm actually legitimately. If this was neutral and I had no rooting interest, this would be like a top five, just interesting game. So should be fun. It's weird because I I can always feel like I f- I can find a reason to hate a team, right? There's always an easy way for me to like come up with a reason to hate, but like I'm having such a hard time with Washington. Like I, I like Michael Penix. I really appreciate mm-hmm. Michael Penix Huskies. Mm-hmm. I'm a dog person. Like I love mm-hmm. a big dog person. Um, you know, Warren moon, obviously big fan of Warren moon growing up in Texas. Right. It's Lee Bruce right, Lee. Let's not forget Marcus Tuyasasopo. Right. You love, any, love to any NBC sitcom for the last 12 ish years has probably had some sort of UW representation, right? Like sure. you're a fan of community. You're a fan of, of the office, right? Like, it's hard for me to find a reason not to like UW. Um, so it, it is what it is. Like we, this should be a fun game. Obviously if they beat us, I'll hate them, but like that's another sure. conversation for another day. Uh, we are here to talk about wa- the Washington Huskies. So we'll do two parts of this show today. We've got upfront Kyle and I'll do our normal pregame preview. We'll talk about stats, breakdowns, that kind of stuff. And then we've got a special guest uh, coming for the second half of the show. Gaby Lucas is one of the editors over at the UW dog pound. Uh, she's also, stand-up comedian so it's uh, looking to be like a fun conversation uh, after the break but we're excited to, to have her on to help us preview the show and we're excited to uh, get to talk a little bit more football at least one more time so let's jump right in there's a lot of like narrative to this bowl game right uh, Texas is facing number 12 Washington at 8 p.m. on the 29th 8 p.m. that's God's time Central Time, 8 p.m. <laughs> pick your pick your narrative poison, right? Like you've got Steve Sarkeesian playing against his first head coaching gig, where he's there for uh, five years before he left for USC. Pete Kwiatkowski came to Texas this you know, two two years ago now, uh, after spending six years as the, the defensive slash co defensive coordinator uh, alongside a guy who they just fired from their head coaching spot, I believe. Uh, but that's another conversation <laughs> for another day. Uh, Kalen DeBoer came in and really kicked butt like Michael Penix coming in helped him quite a bit right you come in with a new quarterback Pac-12 co-coach of the year right going from four and eight to ten and two uh, that's a night and day improvement right uh first bowl game for the Huskies in three seasons right there's a classic holiday bowl between these teams in 01 like there is a lot a lot a lot of uh, narrative here but you know, really for me and, and Kyle, feel free to, to push back on this. Like my big narrative that I'm looking at, I think this is going to be a fun one to watch because there's going to be a lot of offense. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, you, you referenced it, right? The last time these teams met, 
in 2001 in the Holiday Bowl set a lot of records for Texas um, passing the ball for, you know, just the, the points scored. I mean, it was a 90-point affair, um, and, and that was all in the second, third, and fourth quarters. They both put up goose eggs in 2001 in the first quarter and then scored 90 points in three quarters, which is wild, and it was a wild ride. Neuheisel versus Mac Brown. Um, Texas won that. Uh, it was an interesting year and set up some some good things to come, uh, of course, but Apple White, 473 yards in that one. I mean, it was, it was just a crazy game. I think Derek Johnson had seven tackles, a sack, and an interception. Gerald Love... Well, Derek Johnson stats. Always. It's been a very it's been an interesting time, right? We've talked about Texas has been in its darkest decade. It obviously had probably its brightest decade that preceded that. Since that game, Texas has gone through a lot, and so is is UW, right? It's it's been not parallel, but it's been interesting. Um, you mentioned 2019, Chris Peterson kind of left, and he was the stabilizing force after Sark kind of laid the foundation for that program. Um, but Texas has gone 13 and four in 17 bowl games since then. Washington's gone four and seven in 11 bowl games. Of those uh, 11, Sark got them to four of those 11 and, and won two of the four. Peterson was was very good, but again, Sark should get his credit certainly uh, for, for what he did there. It took two years to turn around. They've done it in one. I think Kalen DeBoer is a good coach. I, I think Penix is, is fun. I think there's a lot to, to really like here. The Big 12 has been dominant against the Pac-12 and Alamo Bulls, including Texas, whomping both of their, their last couple opponents in Utah and Colorado. Um, and so it, it's going to be really interesting for me. Uh, the the Sark-PK, you know, against former school narrative, the, you know, offense versus offense narrative, UW, all their guys opting in, some of Texas opting out. There's going to be a lot to talk about, and you can pick any one. Um, but I just think really, again, you're probably going to see 20 years later, um, 21, I guess, years later, a, a, in my opinion, probably a pretty close game with a ton of offense. So it should be fun. It's it's blunted a little bit from the Texas side because obviously Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson opted out of the game. But I think we know Keelan Robinson and Jonathan Brooks and Jaden Blue all are very talented people. I'm really excited for the JB2K era to come sooner rather than later anyways. But uh, Michael Penix is back for Washington. And so like just looking at the tail of the tape between the two teams, it's obviously a little skewed because these advanced stats and things like that don't necessarily take into account uh, departure or things like that, but I mean, Washington rolled off six consecutive wins to, to finish the season right. They didn't have to play the toughest piece of the Pac-12 this year, but still, they beat the teams in front of them, and you can't fault them for that. Of the four teams that they played with winning records, they beat Oregon and Oregon State, and then they lost to UCLA. Uh, they lost to UCLA and lost to Arizona State, uh, who was three and nine, I think, finished the year. So like, there's yes. that as well. But the FEI likes them, right? They're the number 20 overall in the FEI, uh, number five offense, according to the FEI, the number 89 defense, according to Fremo's ratings. S&P Plus likes them a little bit more. They're the number 17 overall team, number 11 offense, not quite as highly rated, but the number 59 defense. So likes their defense a little bit more. Bill Connolly and Brian Fremo disagreed, so I don't know what to do in dad's fight. Uh, it's interesting. I think they're probably somewhere in the middle of those, right? I think their their offense is probably top 10. Um, and if you just look at passing offense, they're uh, utterly elite there. Um, I think their defense has flashes. I think both, you know, opponent adjusted is an interesting thing, right? They, they played four, like Gerald said, four total teams with winning records. Two of those were, were you know, uh, wins and they were good teams, right? One of those was an eight point loss ranked to UCLA, but that's all they played this year with winning records. Their opponents went 64 and 80, even their FCS school that they played went four and seven. Like, no one was any good. Uh, Colorado, one of the worst teams in college football history this year, Coach Prime, uh, has a big 
task on his hands, and I think he's going to certainly make some quick, big improvements from where they were. They were bad. I mean, like, losing every game by 50 points bad. Uh, so, and it wasn't, like, it wasn't that much of an outlier for the bottom half of of the Pac-12. Um, you, you saw Stanford 3-9 and nine was really bad. And that Arizona State team 3-9 but did get a win over them. Um, you know, Arizona, Cal 5-7, and 4-8. and eight. Even Michigan State's not their fault. They didn't schedule thinking they'd be bad. They ended up being a bad team, barely getting their 5-7 their and seven mark. So, um, you know, it, it's hard to say. Uh, because Washington definitely had a much weaker strength of schedule than than Texas. Um, but, you know, you can't discount, and I think some of these models take some of that into account, um, just how, how good they were, you know, in, in, in the best teams they played. They played them well. Like I said, you can't really fault them for who they played, right? They took care of business against all but two of the teams on their schedule, right? They were, they were in a weird tiebreaker situation for the Pac-12 championship, right? They could very well be playing in the Rose Bowl right now. Like, that's the caliber of team that they are, so mm-hmm. we can't really uh, take anything away from that. But, like, they lead the nation in passing. They lead the nation in third-down conversions on offense, and that's a scary situation for a Texas defense, you know, when Texas Texas gave up in, in two losses more than 330 passing yards, right? And, and Penix has already said he's coming back. He's likely a, a early season favorite uh, for a Heisman, right? Caleb, it's going to probably come to the Pac-12 again next year. Uh, 4,300 passing yards, 29 touchdowns to seven interceptions. Like EPA per pass was was the second in the nation. Like he is an absolute monster. And, and when you get, you know for sure Jalen McMillan is coming back. He recently announced that he uh, was going to be back for this game. 71 receptions, 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns. And Romo Odunze has not uh, announced whether he's going to be back or not, but uh, if he is, that's another 70 receptions, 1,000 yards, and seven touchdowns. That's uh, a cumulative 12 feet four inches of wide receiver to cover. So like, uh, oh, oh, and then then wide receiver three has uh, almost 700 yards, six touchdowns, and he's 6'2 as well, right? Like, so this, this is a prolific passing offense, and so that has not been a recipe for success for this Texas defense with how they tend to give things up in the middle of the Field. Yeah, I mean the last uh, you think about the the Utah offense coming into that, and in, in we felt a little bit different because they ran the ball, uh, and Texas was able to stop that in the bowl game. And and if this was a team that flipped and was you know a really heavy running uh, offense, you know Texas defense has stepped up against some really good running backs all year, and especially down the stretch, they've been very good uh, at stopping the run. The pass has been interesting. They've um, Texas has been a little bit more susceptible to long extended drives with you know people taking the easy stuff, dink and dunk passing. It hasn't necessarily been what Washington likes to do, which is fast, you know, not necessarily go deep, but, you know, medium to deep all the time, like just pushing the ball. Um, think like a, like a, you know, fast break style uh, in basketball offense. And so um, it's interesting because they don't run the ball a ton. Um, they have two pretty decent running backs. What, what a, what a fantastic name, Wayne uh, Taula Papa name of the year, uh, team of the year, uh, all name team there, 779 and 10 touchdowns, Cameron Davis, 522 and 13 touchdowns. So they will run when they get in the red zone and try to punch the ball in there. But I mean, I, I think, and Penix had four rushing touchdowns, I think on the season as well. Uh, but you know, the majority of, of what they do and what they want to do, uh, runs through Penix and runs through the air. And so Texas, you know, they've had some time. There's no excuse to not know what's coming and have the time to scheme for it. And Kwiatkowski, uh, see if he can dial something up against his former friends um but yeah it, it's you know it certainly is a little bit scary when you think about from texas defensive side of, uh, of things that 
it's going to be tough. I mean, no one has really done it very well all year. Um, even in their losses, they put up points. This is an offense that that scores, that moves the ball. They have a good offensive line. I mean, like three guys, I think, who got Pac-12 honors, um, one honorable mention, one second team, and, and Jackson Kirkland's first team. Um, but honestly, across all five of their linemen are, are pretty solid. So they can they could do a, a, a lot of things if they needed to run the ball. I don't think you're going to see that. They're, they're decent uh, run blockers as well. Um, but, you know, they're, they're going to drop back, and they're going to spread the ball around, and they're going to they're gonna throw it deep. And, and Texas has to be ready. Yeah, I mean, Texas absolutely does have to be ready. And I think, thankfully, Texas has shored up uh, some things. Keandre Coburn's going to play in the game, at least. But we haven't heard that he's not playing in the game. We haven't heard any reporting uh, that he's not going to be playing in the game. And so uh, this is going to be a good-on-good good matchup in the trenches. I think uh, Washington's line is really good. Texas's defensive line has has really improved. And, and especially yeah. we saw what they did in the last several games. You saw what they did against Baylor. They, had a, they were incredible against that Baylor passing attack that really yep. wanted to spread the ball out now that being said michael Penix is significantly better yes. than what baylor trotted out there uh and if you watch their bowl game that is confirmed that michael Penix is way better than whatever baylor's trotting out at quarterback uh so like that to me is is the antidote for a high-powered offense is kind of what texas does and where washington is susceptible and that's in the running game in the ground game right um the Washington defense, they're 33rd in the FBS in rush yards allowed. They're giving up 127 rush yards per game, three and a half yards per carry, right? We're, Texas is without Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. We do know that Jonathan Brooks um, has a little bit of Bijan in him. Like he's not, we can't, he is not on the level of Bijan, at least from what we've seen thus far, but the guy's got his own thing going and I kind of like the way his game is. Keelan Robinson probably back for this game. Might be back next year. Jaden Blue probably going to get some run as well. Texas will run a little three-headed monster there uh, in the backfield. And so I think for especially for a ball hawking defense or a defense that wants to try to take the ball away from you um, and a defense that really wants to try to pass rush even if they're not as successful with it like keeping the ball on the ground giving it to to giving it to Jonathan Brooks giving it to Keelan Robinson giving Jaden Blue and letting them run behind the, the Texas offensive line that's really coming on as of late I think seems like a winning proposition for Sarkeesian yes I, I mean I, I, I think Texas's biggest to go back defensive, you know, opportunity is exactly what you said, Gerald, to control the ball as well, right? Is to, um, though Washington is much better at defending the run, um, is to try to establish that, is to, to you know, be a balance. And I, and I think that's Sark, right? I, I don't think Sark will ever be accused as much as, you know, he got shine during his Alabama years, especially for, for you know, getting a receivers, being receiver-driven offense. I mean, he, he's always called a balanced game, and he, he prioritizes that. And so I don't think, even though Washington will be scoring points, I don't think Sark's going to get into the, oh, no, I need to throw the ball 50 times and, and give up on the run um, mentality. I do think Texas, again, Washington is, is a good run defense. I still don't think they're elite, but uh, I, I think they're a good run defense, and I think, um, you know, Texas just needs to get enough. They need to use that line, set up some some good throws, really get in the RPO game, right? If, if, if they can get Ewers on some glance routes, some good easy throws early, get the run established, it might open up some some double moves. We know Xavier Worthy can beat just about anyone in the country on a double move. We know that uh, Washington has struggled at the cornerback position, and so there will be some plays where Texas uh, wide receivers get open, right? It's up to Ewers to hit them. And, and you know, I, I could see a world where this is a springboard game, right, where UW has, this is our team. Next year, uh, Penix opting back in and stuff like that. I mean, this is they're building momentum for next year for Texas. This is, you know, what do we have? We're finding out a lot without, you know, Bijan there, who, what the running game looks like with, um, you know, DeMarvin Overshin gone on the defensive side. But I think 
Quinn Ewers has a chance to step up and put his mark on this game and really put his mark and momentum heading into the 23 season. And so I, I don't think that's lost on him. So I'm hoping that, you know, ball control, right? This is not a defense that takes the ball away much. And so that's good, right? But Texas doesn't want to change that for them. Ewers needs to be smart with what he does. Take your shots, but but just make sure there's there's no silly turnovers, right? Um, uh, protect the quarterback, give him give him time, and, and really just, you know, again, open up those rushing lanes so that you can be a balanced offense. And I think if they can do that, uh, again, I don't think it's easy because this is a good Washington team and they will, you know, be required to put up points on the offense. Texas has had times when they didn't play necessarily complimentary football and the offense disappeared in second halves. We know that. Um, but can they play four quarters of balanced offense? Can they can they hang when a team is going to push them and force them to score points? Can they answer? And they've had some high-scoring shootout games. And, and you know, think about Oklahoma State, some others. They, they left some meat on the bone and, and ended up walking out with a loss. So let's hope that they've learned from that uh, and they have the the opportunity to, you know, take advantage of, of – um, I'll say a flawed defensive unit. They they get after the quarterback. We know that a good pass rush from Washington, but otherwise an imperfect unit. And I think it's a chance for for a, a really strong Texas offense to uh, to flex a little bit. As much as it's going to be a game for for the Washington offense to try to kind of vault itself and create momentum for honestly a run at a Pac-12 and, and college football playoff appearance next year like this very much could be like the Quinn Ewers like get right game like the narrative mm-hmm. around Quinn Ewers this year has not been positive it, you know it was coming out of the Bama game it was very much like everybody loves Quinn Ewers and then he kind of was cheeks when he came back like let's just like he hasn't been the same quarterback mm-hmm. he was during the first quarter of Alabama and I'm still waiting on the like the injury was worse than we thought it was and that's why a sure. lot of these things are happening right like he's gonna I, I would i would bet like i'm not i would bet a large sum of money that like we're gonna hear about ewers clavicle collarbone sh- shoulder surgery two to three weeks following the season right like that's where i anticipate this thing going i think that's part of the reason why uh, there's going to be an undisclosed injury come out later but like this is an opportunity for Ewers to hopefully change some of that narrative heading in because mm-hmm. there are going to be questions about him in the offseason. There's going to be should Texas play Malik Murphy? Should Texas open up the competition? Because, you know, if you don't know, like Malik Murphy is very similar to what Quinn Ewers can do offensively. He's a but he's a bigger body. He's got a, he could take more damage and abuse, right? He's got a big arm. He was Sark's guy at Alabama. He was Sark's guy when he came over to Texas. So like yeah. Malik Murphy's no slouch. And I think um bringing him in and, and obviously the Arch Manning conversation is going to be a dumb one that people are going to have. Arch Manning's <laughs> not going to play next year like just we'll put that to bed now but like uh, this is an opportunity for Quinn Ewers to come out and Xavier Worthy to come out with his new number and, and really yeah. turn over a new leaf and hopefully get some things going and, and set themselves up on the positive trajectory for those two guys especially like what could be their last year in college. Exactly what I was going to say is is there, there's a guy who I think wants to leave a mark in this game uh, in Jordan Whittington, right? A guy who's not been healthy at the end of years uh, previous gets to play in a bowl game here. Um, and, and you know, whatever happens with his future, at least end this season, this specific season, uh, making a mark. So I think Whittington, Sanders, they don't really have an answer for those guys in the middle, their, their strength, their uh, ability to get open, the, the good hands there. So, you know, there's weapons. I, I do think Worthy, though, will be, will be featured early and often, right? He's a guy who... 
has something to prove. And, and as much as this is a get right for viewers, I think for Worthy as well, guys who've had interesting narratives, both the super duper incredible highs and then probably some overreaction lows in, in narrative and people responding to them, but both have incredible talent, right? Penix is a guy who's proved at the quarterback level at NCAA at two different schools and this year at the highest. Ewers, though, has all of the talent that anyone has ever dreamed of. And so it's just a matter of, can he get to that production, right? And he's a freshman, we know that. But you're basically looking at two people at the opposite ends, right? An underrated guy who came in and just produced you know, bonkers way over his potential and then a guy who we're waiting to see it from. And so it's it's interesting to watch them almost from two different lenses, almost like two different beings, right? You have a, an experienced uh, quarterback who will be coming back next year for a super senior year and then a all-everything freshman who's just getting his feet under him and, and a bowl game to kind of measure where you're at, right? The last time we played when I talked about that major Applewhite, it was a quarterback controversy and he was the guy who finally got it done at the end of his career. It was his last game as a Longhorn when he set that record. Um, Ewers has a lot more to go and it'll be interesting though if we talk about this game if there is that you know hope where he gets to that trajectory that we've talked about could it be this bowl game that wraps out a freshman year and then gives a whole offseason of fodder to talk about you know the potential that's there so let's dive in and, and really what the people came for kyle podstradamus picks right uh we ended the regular season uh with with a bit of a come from behind tale i i led for most of the latter half of the season and then uh, i botched it in the last week of the year and you uh you have a 15 to 14 lead you have to just hold serve right if you mm -hmm. get one right here it's at least a tie so uh kyle what is your first podstradamus pick of the year I think that uh, the Texas offense will look to stay balanced. They will run and they will pass. But I do think you will get a heavy dose of Xavier Worthy. And so I'm just going to go out and say it. I think Worthy will get double-digit targets in this game. I hope he can turn those into catches. But I think Xavier Worthy will get double-digit targets in this game. Double-digit targets. Okay. Okay. It's, it's, it's a little bit of a safer one. I'll allow it, though. I'll, I'll, I'll let you rock with it. Um. Hopefully that happens. I mean, I don't know who else they're gonna they're gonna throw it to. I mean, Jordan Whittington probably, Javian Sanders probably, but uh, that's okay. So I, I I'm a firm believer that I think Sark has has seen the efficacy of his offense um, when they run the ball and try to keep a high powered offense off the field. Right, that was the game plan mm -hmm. against against Baylor. That was a game plan against Kansas. Uh, it was a game plan against a lot of teams this year. Um, and so I think even with the absence of Bijan Robinson, I think I think this is a JB two K game. I think JB is going to go for 110 yards, at least 110 yards in wow. this matchup. I'm just putting it out there. If I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose riding my dude. Like that's what's going to happen. You know, I love it. I I actually almost. Mine literally was about to be Texas will have a 100-yard rusher in this game even without Bijan. Um, but I like that I wasn't going to take J JB off the table. It's, that's your guy will always be. I appreciate uh, it. Gerald was, was early on that, so I won't take it away. But on the defensive side, Gerald, um, I think that Texas – is going to have a lot of opportunities with, with passes thrown against them to get some takeaways. I think Penix has been fantastic this year, like just really efficient. He's completing 66% of his, his passes. He only has seven interceptions. He's been very efficient. I think, you know, the way you can stop a, a high octane offense like that is take the wheels out, right? You can, you can sack him. You can, you can get him in, in tough situations. Um, but I also think, you know, 
taking the ball out of their hands is the most effective way. So I think um, though Penix only had seven this entire season, I think they will get at least one interception. Whoa. Okay. That is, that's a big, big claim. Kyle, swinging for the fences on that one. I'll appreciate that one. That, that one's leaving the door open for a brother, which I appreciate uh, so, so much. So um, here's, here's where I'm going. Here's, here's where I'm going. This is probably going to be the one that officially puts the, the nail in my coffin, but it is what it is. I've got to be perfect this week. But again, Coach Royal, dance with the one that brung you. Uh, Kyle made his comeback this year, by the way, stealing this from me. So I'm going to go and steal it back in the last week of the season. I think even though Washington has not given up a ton of sacks, I think the Texas pass rush has figured it out in these last few games. And I think even in spite of Washington's stellar offensive line, I, I just I, I feel like this Texas defense, and they did it last year in the bowl game too uh, against Utah, who Utah has a good offensive line. Um, like, I really think that the pass rush is going to have a, a, a say in this. I think PK is going to want to make his mark on this game. I think Snacks Coburn is going to want to go out and collapse the pocket and cause havoc like he has all year. So I think Texas comes away with two sacks in this matchup. I like that. Just a reminder for the listeners, Washington has given up seven sacks in 12 games for 54 yards. Um, so Gerald putting himself out there. I mean, if you're going to win it, you're, you're winning it on the ledge. I like that a lot. Uh, two sacks for the Texas defense. And so that's all we've got for you in our preview. Obviously, on the other side, we'll have, uh, we still have our interview with uh, Gaby, not Gabby, stand-up comedian and UW fan. And that is, that'll be the wrap on the 2022 football season, Kyle. Been a long time. Been a fun run. Been a fun season. I wish it could have been even more fun. There were some close games. If they go a different way, this is a fun bull opponent. I really like that. But uh, you know, as much as I put a caveat on their ten and two, I, I put a caveat on Texas's eight and four. Uh, things could have gone differently. They didn't. We're here. We're in the Alamo Bowl. It's all right. Steps, right? Steps. We will look towards twenty three. And again, how better to start than on the 29th to uh, to to put a marker in the ground and look towards next year. So we did all the boring stat stuff in the first half. So we wanted to, to punch it up and add some color in, in the second half of the show today. And so we have the distinct privilege of bringing on Gaby, uh, Gaby Lucas, the one of the editors over at the UW Dog Pound. She's going to help us uh, add a little color to the preview. Gaby, how are you, you doing this evening? I'm doing good. It was, uh, it was 16 degrees here this morning. So I'm nice and nice and my my nose is nice and nice and uh, chilly, uh, which you guys can see. I'm wearing my wearing my little beanie cap right now. <laughs> we we are you know it, it is rare for us. I'm I'm in a t-shirt because my wife has it on like 85 degrees in the house. Texas people don't know how to handle that. So you're like little beanie. You know we 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 go the other way. It's it's absolute wrecks our our productivity. People are just hunkered down because it's uh, it's freezing here. I mean, in fairness, we we're just like. Like I could almost ice skate outside if with how how uh, how frozen the roads are. So I, that's not considered that normal here either. <laughs> but uh, I guess okay. we're handling it better than you are. <laughs> I mean, it, Ted, Ted Cruz flew south for the winter, so we, we, we know what's going on. No, uh, so we're not here to take shots at junior senators. We're here to talk about the Alamo Bowl coming around the corner. Big matchup could be could be a fun one. So if you haven't 
been with us very long over the summer we do these like fun interviews and so uh gaby's gonna help us out and let's start where we always start with these interviews at the quarterback position potentially the biggest storyline coming into this from the washington end is quarterback michael Penix has announced that he's going to play in the bowl come back for it one last ride situation um it was a big question and, and he's kind of been the trigger for the offense of their improvement. They kind of went from not good last year to really good this year. So like, what does he bring to the offense uh, that's kind of turned them from kind of worst to first almost as a caveat? I mean, uh, not as a caveat, but just to add some context, like it can't be emphasized enough. Like I, I literally don't think it's humanly possible to overplay like how much, how 180 degrees, just like this scheme is. Because last year we were playing like it was like 1993 Nebraska. Like it was straight up. So so even Michael Penix last year I don't think would have been able to. I mean, he, he would have been able to look all right, um, better than we were last year. But, but um, I mean, it's so much more open, but philosophy-wise. But also I think he's the most complete combination of uh, arm strength, um, accurate or, or accuracy especially you know when when he's not on the run but just being able to be mobile and throw which to me is a little bit different than like taking off running and throwing on the run but also his he he's a lot of times you see quarterbacks that have a lot of physical talent um, and even maybe they're really accurate and have a really good arm um but maybe don't have it so great between the ears and like Jacob Eason was kind of a good example. Like he, he could, he could uncle Rico it and he was a fine college quarterback, but, but uh, like watching Penix diagnose, diagnose defenses um, and, and both pre-snap and react quickly post-snap, you know, if stuff, if, if he is a little bit under, I don't want to say under duress because we protected him really well this year, but not everything goes 100% according to plan post-snap, and he's still really good at, at, at adapt, adapting to that. Like, there, there was a, a, a clip someone found uh, from the Michigan State game of him calling out the snap count and, and protections and stuff and yelling out to the Michigan State defense, you're dead-ass wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> like, that, some sort of, I've just, I've, it really is, like, the most complete skill set, I think, from a quarterback that we've had since at least Keith Price, probably Cody Pickett, because I think he has a better arm than Keith Price did. I yeah, so I mean that's if if we're going back to Cody Pickett, that's twenty years, um, yeah. and a lot of roller coasters since then. <laughs> but he's really fun to watch. Um, other than this game, where you guys won't be rooting for him, obviously, <laughs> highly recommend. Like I think if I were just a neutral observer, I would highly recommend watching him next season. Now that we know he's coming back, just as far as like pure entertainment from that position. I got to watch him a little bit when he was in the in the Big Ten. One of our yeah. one of our best friends is a Penn State fan and we watched that uh that crazy <laughs> overtime game. <laughs> oh, like, no. I he doesn't listen to the show so I could say this like I had a blast <laughs> watching him just run all over that Penn State defense. Yep. Yep. Yeah, one of my best friends was an Indi- is an Indiana fan. Somehow diehard, all Indiana sports, basketball mainly, but certainly football. And like Penix was the first time I heard him brag about uh, you know Indiana football. So it's you know he's done a lot of things for a lot of people. It seems um, another year at, at uh, UW should be should be fun. And honestly, if this game is is just really fun, that will be that will be great. If Texas can win it, that's even better. Um, but you know, like with with 
some players opting out and things. I think just like a really great game to watch. Obviously, let's be honest, we want Texas to win as Texas fans, but uh, this this could be one of the best matchups in the season. Um, part of that reason, it's not just Penix. He's got to throw the, the ball to someone, obviously. Um, it's 1A, 1B. I don't know who to call the top receiver. They're, they're pretty identical, but wide receiver Jalen McMillan announced he is playing in this game. But but uh, Rome, uh, Ndudze, is is he confirmed to be in? And, and I mean, if he's not, uh, is Jalen Polk like the ready fill guy to step up? And, you know, it was kind of a, a two-headed monster, but you could argue a three-headed monster. He was pretty good this year as well. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, so Jalen McMillan confirmed that he's coming back for next year. Um, Rome... It is hasn't confirmed anything yet as far as next year, but um, as far as everybody knows, he's playing in this game, and yeah. it's kind of looking like there was some. There's been a, there had been a little bit of smoke a couple of weeks ago of of both of them coming back, um, and then with like Mike saying he's coming back, our uh, left tackle saying he's coming back. Um, uh, shoot, I'm spacing out. <laughs> we, we've had like a, a decent amount of guys say they're coming back who who maybe we weren't expecting them all to leave but you know yeah. we we're really expecting a few so i think it's the vibe is definitely something of like kind of the the, the gang comes back together you know yeah. so i run it back yeah exactly so i i'm kind of thinking that rome i don't want to jinx anything knock on wood but but um it would be freaking awesome if he could come back um i think i think i think I, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back. I think that's probably more likely than not. I'm really scaring myself saying this out loud now. <laughs> um, but because I think especially with like how this team would look going into next year and what they can accomplish um, versus how under the radar they were, especially at the receiver position last uh, last offseason, um, I think that Rome could probably play himself into first round consideration um next year because i mean when you look at his physical abilities it's it's so i feel like it's so hard um for receivers that aren't physical freaks to like play themselves into notoriety for the nfl draft for like the first couple rounds right um so i think if you're like i i think i think from his perspective if he ends up coming back like a lot of that will be a the gang's running it back <laughs> and b you know he'd be he'd be he'd definitely be drafted this season but he could play that up pretty hard um as for what you're talking about with like 1a 1b um yeah i think probably would say i think that is a 1a 1b situation of odinze and mcmillan it's any given game you don't know which one of them will be more statistically prominent um and then like you said mentioned jalen polk who initially as a freshman um, in 2020 was at Texas Tech. Um, he, he's been, yeah, a pretty darn, dang, <laughs> that's what happens when you say darn and dang at the same time. Um, it felt like a Texas twang. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Really um, but yeah, he, he's been a pretty darn good third guy. Um, Taj Davis is somebody who also, you know, isn't one of our stars necessarily, but he comes up when you're, when you'll kind of forget about him and then be like, oh yeah, that dude, you know, and he's, he's, he's just a really good high performing high floor um depth piece that you know all the best teams have those players that go beyond you know the one or two stars um and and yeah and then uh yeah there's 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 a few other guys too in that room it's just it's really deep in a way that last you know a couple years ago we were really not used to saying saying that sentence about UW football <laughs> that was our problem position for years under peterson 
thanks to some not great roster management and recruiting from the guy, couple a couple from a couple position coaches there. <laughs> Texas fans not familiar with that in the slightest bit. Not many people, not anybody really has done it this year. Even in their losses, uh, UW scored 32 and 38 points, which is nuts. But if you were like scheming or like when teams had success against the Washington offense, like what was, what were they doing? What did they scheme up? Like how do they slow down this high octane group? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it honestly is you have to have your own offense perform. Like if, if, because those are the times, um, for example, against Oregon and against Wazoo in the Apple cup. Um, and also in the two losses against UCLA and vomit emoji, Arizona state, who I can't believe we lost to, um, uh, there were all of those um, were scenarios where UW's offense, you know, it, they couldn't sit back and they really did have to continue being prolific over the course of the game. And so, for example, in the Apple Cup and against Oregon, there were two interceptions, one each game, one interception per game by Penix that is you don't tend to associate him with, um, especially that Oregon one was a throw that you never see him make that he really should have thrown away um, and was under pressure rolling out, chucked it into the end zone in with a lot of defenders around. Um, and you could tell a little bit that, that just that pressure of, uh, you know, having that little mental pressure in the back of your head of like knowing that this game is on the offense um, as it was in the second half between Oregon and Washington, where it was like, everybody scores. Um, so I think a lot of the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think a lot of that honestly comes down to um, Texas's offense in this game, being able to keep up and keep a little bit of pressure on them um, as well as um, the defensive line, your guys' defensive line, which I know under Pete Kukowski, since we're very familiar with him, I don't know if he's changed his scheme up at all for you guys, but when he was our DC at Washington, like a lot of that pass rush was about kind of collapsing the pocket pretty, I don't know, not it wasn't like a sexy pass rush. It was effective when you had the right guys doing it, but it was all kind of a team effort that collapsing it um, and didn't wreak a lot of havoc, but was really good at what it did when it did it. So I think that will be really interesting to watch, especially because a big part of um, Penix's uh, resurgence this year versus at Indiana, where he ended four years in a row with four season and ending injuries has been um, this line's ability to protect him. Um, so I think if I'm looking at it from Texas's perspective, that would the main, main things I'm focusing on. Pete Kukowski and, and just make sure you text him. I know, you know, you, you must certainly still be good friends and give all that information, but no longer the DC uh, at, at Washington. So let's, let's flip it a little bit uh, and talk about the other side of the ball for the Huskies current DC current defense improved from, from, from last year, maybe a bit and had to, you know, it's always tough to be a defense with a high octane offense. They struggled a little bit there. Um, again, like you said, shootouts outscoring people is, you know, sometimes good offense is your best defense, I guess. Um, What's been what's been the biggest flaw, I guess, in the Washington defense? As Texas fans watch this game and they're they're looking at how Texas, you know, Sark will have something schemed up uh, against that defense. What what's been the story of that uh, Washington defense this season? Yeah, um, well, there there's a couple of things. Last year, um, schematically up front, pretty much last last year, it was a very exaggerated version of how they'd been for a really long time under Lake and Kukowski, um, where the secondary was incredible and the, um, 
and the run defense, I should say the pass defense, uh, specifically the secondary was really, really good. Um, and the run defense was a hot pile of garbage. Um, like truly like people, our secondary last year was really great, but people would point to point to how few yards they had given up against the pass and completely misrepresent it because teams literally would throw like 16 times against us maybe <laughs> and just run the ball down the a gap or b gap for like seven plus yards per carry like i'm it was so it was so awful and, and then and then of course our two outside corners last year um uh kyler gordon and and trent mcduffie both were drafted within the first i think 36 40 picks McDuffie was a first rounder. Um, Kyler was an early second round guy. So like naturally we were expecting a drop off. Um, that has very much been the case. <laughs> um, um, our, 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 the UW's run defense is much more well-balanced now. <laughs> you, you granted against, for example, Oregon, um, they still were quite porous, but nowhere near as bad as last year. And to be honest, most of that was just terrible tackling, which is something they really need to, pick up on in the off season. That was something that was their strength under Peterson um, and Kwiatkowski. Uh, but this, this season, yeah, defense is definitely a weakness in a way we haven't been used to it in a really long time, but I think they're, like I mentioned, they're very quite well-rounded up front. Um, they're not doing so much two gap stuff. So it's, you don't need those like, crazy rare diamond human beings like Vita Vea up front like we had in the past like you kind of needed guys like that and Greg Gaines and all that to run those schemes really effectively which they did but those guys are now like starters in the NFL and doing really well so like um and when you don't have that talent it makes it really hard <laughs> to do that successfully so now they you know have shifted to to a one gap scheme um our linebackers which were a massive weak, weakness last year and the year before and the year before um <laughs> they're they're you know they're not they're like average they're fine the secondary has has had a drop off beyond just losing gordon and um and mcduffie um so you know it's it's very clear that like the coaching the the level of coaching that was for all of lake's uh weaknesses as a head coach he was an elite secondary coach like he was an, an elite cornerbacks and yeah. defensive backs coach um and it's very clear that we, you know, that Washington just doesn't have that that level of instruction. Um, so it's definitely if you're Texas, you know, you're a you're going to have to throw the ball a lot because of what, you know, Washington is going to be able to do offensively. But also lucky for you, that's exactly what you can be able to do. Um, so, you know, little like the bad news is you're going to have to do that. The good news is you'll be able to do that. So, yeah, you kind of already queued it up a little bit, but like as as we head around, you know, we're uh, we're a couple days out from the bowl game. Like, what's the storyline you're going to be watching? Like when you sit back or what? Like, what are you watching and focusing on heading into the game? Like, what's your like? This is the thing I'm, I'm staking my flag in. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what Pete Kwiatkowski's defense looks like in a in Texas's environment versus ours. Um, cause I'd get, like watch bits of Texas this year, but kind of on in the background and not, you know, not paying a whole bunch of attention and uh, to see if he's kind of how he's adjusted to your guys's personnel or, or just a change in the times, you know, I think that'll be kind of interesting. Um, I do think it's, 
fun to play Sark um, because the last time we did, he got fired right after. <laughs> the last time we did, he lost his job, which I don't think will happen this time, uh, no matter what the outcome is. That, for what it's worth, that was as much as I'm. I'm very happy for him on a human level that he's been able, you know, to recover from his off-field struggles and all that. But it is, it. I think it is fun because of our history to go up against that and and know, you know, UW fans are so familiar with with his strengths and weaknesses from an X's and O's standpoint and from a day-to-day preparation, whatever standpoint. Um, I also just think it's going to be fun to watch UW knowing that, oh, for example, sorry, I was spacing out on who's coming back. Like our two best edge rushers are coming. One guy is, uh, one guy graduated, um, uh, Jeremiah Martin, who was previously at AM for a year or two before. Um, and he had been really solid. I'll be excited to watch him, you know, one last time, uh, even though he's maybe not as flashy as like Braylon Trice and, and ZTF, Zion Tupuola Fatui, who they're both coming. They're two edge rushers who are awesome and I love them. And they're coming back again next year. And um, I think it's just going to be fun to watch like those guys and the receivers and Penix and, and, um, all so many players who to know that they're coming back and they and all of these guys like the one the ones who I mentioned especially no no I was not even especially anybody literally all of them like the way that they play it's you can tell how much fun they're having and I think to watch that in a game that I I guess it's like you know in some ways it's an exhibition game but like in some ways that kind of makes it more fun because it's like kind of just pin your pin your ears back and just enjoy it, you know. Um, so I think it's going to be fun to watch that with the knowledge of how many of these players that this isn't our last time seeing them. Because I think for the second half of this season, um, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, it was so much fun to watch, and it felt a little bit like, uh, oh, appreciate this for now because it's only going to last like a couple more weeks before this is over before the season's over and then they'll yeah. leave and we'll rebuild. So I think it's going to be fun to watch and know just knowing how much fun this is season has been and knowing that it's not over yet, just from a, not a, what would you call it? Not a human interest standpoint, but, <laughs> but um, I, for lack of better words, I'll call it that. <laughs> so this is not our show notes, Kyle, we're going rogue here, but like oh, you brought up a good, yeah. you brought up a good point. Like what do UW fans like feel or think about Steve Sarkeesian? You know, he was there was, for, he's there for yeah. five seasons, like kind of turned him around in a short amount of time. You know, the, the Tyrone Willingham era was uh, one that I think probably most <laughs> UW fans treat it like, Texas fans treat the Charlie Strong era. We're just like, we don't, yeah. we don't talk about that point in time. Yeah. Um, but like, what do, what do UW fans think about Sark? Yeah. I mean, I think even comparing it to the Charlie Strong era is not doing it justice. <laughs> like we, we went winless, <laughs> you know, like, uh, although fair play to Colorado this season, who I think was actually worse than UW's winless year. Uh, <laughs> if you look at like the magnitude of how much they sucked yeah. um, on a game per game basis. Um, uh, I, I think UW fans, I think generally speaking, A, I think it's a pretty diverse viewpoint. Like there's pl- some people who, a lot of people who appreciate what he did, but also we were like, oh, pretty ready. Like when USC hired him, we were like, oh, oh really? Like, <laughs> like you're going to pay us to go hire Chris Peterson? I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, uh, I, 
it, it definitely was though I, I remember like walking around I think I was like early high school or yeah I, I think it was I was in high school at the time and seeing like that we had the I bark for Sark like thing like it was definitely at the time when he was when he was hired I think we were so beat down from Willingham tanking the program and before that like Gilby had you know it was it had been on a really long downward uh slow downward trajectory um so everybody was appreciative of him you know the first few years after a while it became pretty clear what his ceiling was and I think at the time a lack of attention to detail which meant you know you're like all right well we're clearly in until you improve your attention to detail as the head coach of a a massive like that that operation in college football at a, especially at a power five level is so huge like you can't really be all over the place on your own end and then expect everything to work out um i think i think with his like personal history post uw i think a lot of people are kind of you know happy for him just to see him you know kind of make a comeback as a, as a person um he, he definitely you know didn't have the best reputation uh off the field uh you know in around seattle <laughs> um so i think i think it's kind of a complicated thing of of just kind of being happy for him both for what you know how down bad we were when we hired him and for him now you know kind of rebounding and at the same time uh like UW fans definitely do like to somewhat make fun of him for (laughs) for you know whatever but yeah I think I think that that is a really interesting question because it is there's a kind of diverse set of attitudes across Washington and a I don't I don't think there's an easy answer to that but I did my best. You did a great job. You're it's not perfect. a monolith. You, you spoke for the entire fan yeah. base and you did yes. wonderfully. I always speak uh, for the entire fan base. They all agree <laughs> with me. I like it. I like it. Also for context, um, according to FEI, the this mm-hmm. year's Colorado team was worse than that, that winless UW team. Yes. That doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, we almost had one win if it weren't for that <laughs> bullcrap uh, excessive celebration penalty against Jake Locker that like pushed the extra point back. And it was against BYU too. And they're just the worst. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. We, Fair. No no argument here. We we had to play Taysom Hill and yeah, same thing. So let's let's take it to that's a really good point to kind of end. And I like we're serious there. We ended on a on a strong intellectual note. Um that's let's throw all that out the window. It's time for rapid fire. This is why people really come to this podcast here. Um and we're gonna start you really easy because we you know we like you. You you're doing great so far. Just rapid fire, quick. You can give as much detail as you like. What's your prediction for the game? Um Let's go with. You can make the Homer pick if you want. We won't judge you. I'd say 38, 35 ish, UW, probably. And it's it's only, I mean, I think the, the tiebreaker for me is the, the, the difference in who's coming back on each team versus not, sure. I think, does make a, you know, even just on the morale, <laughs> like, or like kind of that, that, the, by yeah, buy in, I suppose. Um, sure. I guess I'll go with that. 
But you guys are going to score points. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be I fun to watch. I think it's fair. Getting Penix back and, and Texas losing Bichon is definitely a uh, a differentiator. Okay, so uh, this is this is a uh, sanitized version of everybody's favorite middle school party game: bed, wed, or dead. Uh, your three candidates: U Dub, uh, Tide, Rain Wilson. We're doing this is like NBC, Ooh. like late night edition, or NBC, okay, like after. Rain Wilson, Ken Jennings, Joel McHale. Bed, I knew wed, Joel McHale dead. going to be there. Um, oh. That's a hard one because I don't dislike any of them. Mm. That's the, that's we made it hard on purpose. You got to pick one. Mm-hmm. Darn you! Keep it PG. <laughs> Curse you. Um, I mean, Ken Jennings is a national treasure. Fair. Joel McHale is also a national. Tre- now they're all lovely. <laughs> I mean, Joel McHale was a walk on tight end for in the nineties. So Fair. I feel like we have to give, but I feel like we have to go with Mary Ken Jennings. Okay. I love that. Fair. Going purely, this is purely vibes based. Love it. So, I guess we'd have to go Ken Jennings. Wait, what, what do we call it? Bed, dead, wet, bed, wed. Bed, bed wed, wed, dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, as the in the PG words, I guess we'd have to go wed Ken Jennings. Probably bed John McHale. That's fair. I'm That's sorry, fair. Rain Wilson. <laughs> See, fair. in in real life, I'm like, but he's kind of a nerd dork, just like me. <laughs> It's it was it, it it was tough. I'll I'll tip our hand a little bit. We pulled Kenny G out of that list and replaced because it just True. felt like you know you double M Kenny G may be easier he to put be, into one of those. He three. would be he would be well no not all three of them because you're not going to kill Kenny G. You're not a monster. I'm kind <laughs> right. of yeah. I think like I'm surprised you guys didn't do Bruce Lee and um, Ted Bundy. <laughs> they again, there was discussion. Uh, <laughs> Gerald is a better person than I, so uh, he made it three three mentions in in, in your picks there. We we don't want to give you an easy one to right. Yeah, like, Ted Bundy's in there. It's like I, in the wood yeah, chipper. Yeah, yeah. Like, get yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Please you, don't <laughs> don't marry him. Please. We're gonna Fargo that mfer. <laughs> yeah, get out of that's here. Right, that's right. All right, we'll, we'll keep it. Uh, we'll keep it moving here. I'm gonna a little little game we call overrated, underrated, or rated. We can say adequately rated. Um, and and let's start again. Keep it easy. Seattle institution, state of I would assume highest grossing. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't, there, there's some good. I won't make any more caveats. Seattle institution, Starbucks. Uh, overrated, of course. <laughs> uh, overrated, adequately uh, underrated, adequately rated. We'll bring it back. And Jermaine Washington alum, Kenny G. Underrated forever. There's no amount of rating that could be. <laughs> and I don't even really love hotel smooth jazz, but it's just the vibes of the matter. You can't. It's the perfect human. <laughs> fair. It's fair. I, I received a Kenny G board game that I played uh, during Texas's uh, middle of pandemic freeze, and it, it got me through some hours. Um, it How, was ridiculous. What's the what's the gameplay mechanics like on that? <sighs> It's it's a bit of a deeper dive. It's not easy. It's not like a pick it up quick. I think I would have had to play it a few more times before I felt good with it. But it was a good way to kill some hours. It was it was um, a card based game. Um, we 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 could talk about this because it, it takes some time. And Gerald's a gaming fan more than me. He, he could probably break down the nuance. But let's keep it uh, let's keep it germane to the the conversation here. How about um, I'm in Houston and he. W- Many here consider him a son of our city, but of course a UW alum, Warren Moon, overrated, underrated, adequately rated. I think I'm going to have to go with adequately rated because he's quite beloved here. Uh, Has had some off-field troubles, but uh, not a, you know, mostly, mostly 
good um, but no he's yeah like his I, I i don't know if there's if this picture is famous in in texas or in houston but that that picture of him in the i think it's the 78 or 79 uh uh team with with our malamute at the time the mascot and like is that is that a famous picture nationwide or like everywhere I hope it's with a famous Mormon. picture nationwide but gerald and i are just general sports heads oh i do yeah yeah no, yeah, no. Uh, I think Warren Moon, Warren Moon is definitely like generally considered in the Mount Rushmore of UW quarterbacks. So like, I think I think I'd have to go properly, properly. You know, if not to do, not to take away from ten things I hate about you, but to take away from ten things I hate about you, properly whelmed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, yes. Well, let's let's keep it there. So overrated, underrated, adequately rated, early two thousands rom com. Ten things I hate about you. I, I actually think I'm gonna have to go with underrated for that because I think it gets overshadowed by a lot of the other late nineties. What was that? 1997? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it gets under. It's, I think, this Stadium High School from 10 Things I Hate About You, which is down in Tacoma, not Seattle, um, is, I think, properly appreciated by like those who know. Like it's mm. it's the like if you know you know high school because it's so, just like, rad as hell. I mean, crap. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> oh, I made you're it so good. Long. You're good. You're uh-huh. no, that's fine. That that, that um, one's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like otherwise, I feel like that movie. Like people love it, and people who love it love it. But I think a lot of times it kind of gets a little bit overshadowed by like I don't know. That's all oh, does. It, I don't know. I'm gonna go with under slightly. We need a sliding scale. You know, this is <laughs> that's fair. Right? That's fair. Slightly, One to ten. Slightly underrated. Okay. No, so, you're you're the judge. These are your answers. You say what you will. We had a few more that we could have gone into here, but I want to keep us moving. I'll leave Birkenstocks and the show Portlandia off here. <laughs> hey, um, I worked on that. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> for for a couple of seasons, I was like underrated. You know, then extremely Wait, low, extremely low on the packing order. Hang I, on, like, hang on, hang of on. The lowest people. So your seasons but, were underrated when they when you left it. Became well, I had overrated. nothing to do with creative. <laughs> crap so you can say you hate it right here i don't care i didn't make it i mean i'm no i i love that show i just wasn't sure you know that that's portland i feel like there's a portland yeah. seattle rivalry right there I wasn't was sure. there was a decent amount of oregon grads who worked in production and look but that was mostly yeah that was in production i don't think there was anybody above the line who was an oregon person and carrie's from she's from kirkland she's from washington she's from kirkland but um fair enough yeah Jeff Goldblum okay. was very tall and very good at playing the piano. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, the uh, the the mayor is a, is a UW alum. Uh, oh yeah, Com- I forgot about Com- that. Kyle yeah, Lachlan. yeah, Common Lachlan. So yeah. yeah, there you go. Tie tie it all back there. That yeah. is fantastic. I did not know that, dear listeners, when we when we prompted her with that. I that's don't just... tend to bring it up because that's not. I don't work in TV. And now, and if I ever were to, it would not be below the line again because you can't do anything else with your life <laughs> and you get fair paid enough. pretty much no money. Fair enough. Fair enough. I hope he was lovely. Uh, Fred Armisen is probably the the man I fear most my wife leaving me for. She just like, and he, he can say hello and she will fall on the ground laughing. Um, all right. So uh, let's, let's take it. These have been way too easy for you. So let's make it a little more challenging. Do I make it seem like they've been easy? Because they haven't been. They've taken all (laughs) of my willpower. Grace and a plum is really the two words I would use to describe this interview. That's right. If you had to say one nice thing about, and I'll even, here, I'll give you the caveat, of either of your two rivals, Oregon or Wazoo, uh, you pick, and you had to say one nice thing about them, whatever you choose it to be, what would you say? 
Oh, well, definitely it would have to be Wazoo because Oregon is like everything that is wrong with not just college football, but like America. <laughs> I love like it. genuinely. I love it. Um, although I do, I do, I don't mind Eugene. I think it's like kind of a fun town. Uh, but I think I would, I would, I will genuinely compliment Wazoo on like for as much as I dislike what I view as, what I view correctly, I might add. <laughs> as as an institution that plays up its underdog status despite, despite the fact that so many people who go there are generally the type of people who are societally not underdogs <laughs> i do appreciate that their like their community that they have around there is i think like genuinely a special thing that most places like nationwide can't really point to um so yeah i'll give them that that sounded like a charity. I won't give them that. They genuinely <laughs> earned that description. You you can feel charity and, and can look down on your rivals. That's no, fine. I don't. I don't like any super. There are what UW people who have uh, big old superiority complexes towards Wazoo, and uh, I dislike. I dislike any superiority complex. Period. That's fair. That's fair. Don't listen yeah, to what I, I we're appreciate talking about yeah. them. Texas yeah, wouldn't I, have that either. Would I they? was just gonna say, as you're talking to the, the most level-headed fan base on <laughs> these here internet, so uh, yes, of course we know we are not superior uh, to anyone, but actually to everyone. No, uh, <laughs> it's it's interesting to talk to a UW fan and hear that about Oregon because Texas has been the big brother organization, but it has flipped recently where A and M bought the most expensive class last year, and it looks like Oregon, you know, has spent the last week just just cashing checks. Um, you know, it was a pretty incredible signing day for them. So I'm sure we can each uh, each feel how how it you know it, it's not particularly wonderful to watch your rival uh, have that success now that that it's the wild wild west of spending money out here. We did flip one of their guys though from who's a Seattle Seattle boy, so that was fun. And good. also, as much as I don't like Oklahoma, it was it, them flipping. Oregon's five star who they flipped from Notre Dame was like the college version of breaking worst person, you know, is, <laughs> I guess I'd say not made a good point, but done a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> something, something bad happened to somebody I hate. So it feels yeah. good to me, which is That's how right. we kind of live yeah. our lives. Well, someone I hate did something bad to someone I hate even more than that person. I hate. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Gaby, thank you so the logic much. Checks out. It, that works. We, we, we are, we are petty haters on this podcast, so you're fitting right in. Oh, I didn't even realize. I didn't even do that thinking that, that was the horns up. I was like, rock on. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. We'll take it. We'll take it. Again, 15-yard yeah. penalty if it goes down. So don't do not do that. No. Yeah, they got to be up. Just remember that. <laughs> uh, so- okay, wait. Another thing, Oregon fans lately have the last couple of years as like the horns down has taken, it's become a trend among Big 12 schools. Oregon has taken to doing like the the UW upside down. and But UW people were just like, we don't. That's, care. that's like, an M. We're not but that, Texas. We don't care what you do with this. But but that's literally an M. That just means they're just saying means you're, Michigan, you're Montana. You're, yeah, you're massive. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I'd start the movement. It, yeah. they are just calling you something with an it's, M. It's just I'm like it doesn't. We're not. That doesn't mean anything to anyone but Texas. We don't. Uh, it's hilarious. <laughs> the, the funny thing is, OU actually will buy Texas merchandise, like spend money mm-hmm. on Texas things, put them on their car, or their house, and just upside down. Mm-hmm. And it's, you understand? Yeah. You absolutely just paid our universe. Okay, <laughs> great. Okay, fair enough. I that guess means that much. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's such an interesting phenomenon. I'll say yeah. that. Uh, yeah, it oh. is. 
Sorry, it. I got no. you. I got on a tangent. Continue. We, this is what we do. This is this. I mean, it's 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 a podcast. It's what we do. But Gabe, really, I just want to like thank you for your time. And like again, if if you were struggling with those rapid fire answers, no nobody on this end of the, the Zoom could tell. But uh, if folks want more of what you've got to offer, where can they find you on the internet? Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter. I'm Gaby at Gaby, not Gabby, uh, which is G A B E Y, not. Uh, I was about to spell not, but we know how to spell not. G-A-B-E-Y, not G-A-B-B-Y. Uh, that's my my Twitter handle. Um, I'm also, I am on Instagram and I don't use it that much, but I need to more because that's the way the stand-up world is going. Uh, so you can follow me there if you want at um, Gaby, it's cold outside, which is G-A-B-E-Y. I'll, I'll, one day I'll be better at advertising like shows and stuff on there i i will say i'm starting to I'm in the very preliminary stages of planning out a um kind of panel show thing a live show that um won't be happening for a few months at least with another friend of mine in the seattle area so if you do follow me on on twitter when that does happen um then you will see that and that will be very fun because i do love running I, I do miss producing things. I do miss producing like multi-person show, like panel stuff, which is fun. <laughs> that was, I feel like we were going so strong for like a half hour. And then I, I kind of just <laughs> dribbled off into ellipses. Dribbled off into ellipses is like the subtitle of my autobiography. It's just like, I just started rambling. It's fine. But Gaby, not Gabby, thank you so much for, for spending some time with us. It was, it great, was great chatting, chatting with, you. with you. Nice, nice meeting you. Meet you. Yeah, you guys too. We can do this next year when we play in the Alamo Bowl again. <laughs> right? In the College Football Playoff next year. There we go. I like, I like your head. Gotta aim higher. <laughs>